It's where we will begin reading 1 Kings chapter number 19, starting at verse number 1. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servants, his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He isolated himself and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life for I am not better than my father's. I want to preach this for a few moments here. On a simple subject, and that is soon forgotten, but not forsaken. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the spirit that we already fill in this place. Now, God, I pray, Lord, that you may use me, O Lord, for your glory. Lord, this is your people. This is your church. We are your sheep. I am your vessel. Help me, Lord, to speak every word that is intended, and I pray that my flesh will not get in the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. If you're ready to receive the word, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I gave an example a couple, well, maybe months now. I'm not quite sure when I gave this example, but I was talking about when I was young and I played on this elementary basketball team and I was talking about the rims how they were double rims and how I had a hard time shooting on those goals and how my elementary coach at halftime told me I don't care what you need to do I don't care how many times you miss just keep shooting I mean remember that that story and I didn't finish that story and some of you came up to me and asked well did you win that game (laughs) Because I never finished the story. And typically, if you don't finish the story, there's a reason why you don't finish that story. (laughs) But we did win that game. That wasn't the point of the message, of course. I was just trying to bring out a point how we are to keep trying. And, of course, we did win that game. And that same team that I was on actually went on to win the city championship that year. And just in case you don't truly trust in me and believe in me, I actually have a picture. Yes, there there it is there. You probably cannot tell which one I am, so. So I'm the one in the middle, just in case you didn't know. All right? Just Just in case I blended in with everyone else, I'm the one 
in the middle. That is me there, probably age 11, maybe 12, just depending on when this picture was taken. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. This is me, B.C. <laughs> B.C. stands for before Christ. This is not A.D., after death. You will not see a picture like that of me after death. You've got to get rid of some things. So... This is BC pitcher, and so this is the team that went on to win the city championship that year. Uh, and as you can see, what's my number? Oh, you better believe it, number 13. And this wonderful team won the city championship that year. It was the same year after we beat that team that had the double rounds. We went on to play another team. We beat that team, and this team finished 13-0, and a perfect record. And... The last game of the season was a championship game. We were playing against another team that did not quite look like us. I'll let you read between the lines. It didn't look like us. They were considered the favorites. They were considered more athletic. They were considered just a better team. Matter of fact, to the point to where that team was so confident that they already had banners hanging up in their school in the cake and punch and ice cream because they knew that they were going to beat us. And by all accounts, on paper, they should have beat us. But the final score was 43 to 41, and Eddie Robinson hit the last shot. Amen. That's good preaching. Had 30 points that game. And uh, so their job was to pass me the ball. They did a great job with it. You can remove that picture now. It's, it's embarrassing my kids. Here's what's interesting about that because in my mind, I defied the odds. In my mind, I want a statue in front of that building. In my mind, I accomplished something that no one was able to accomplish. It was the first championship in school history. They hung a banner. That's how excited they were. They hung a banner in the school, in the gym. Defied the odds. This team was not supposed to go anywhere because it didn't have much talent. Wasn't supposed to win that many games. We were undefeated. Wasn't supposed to beat this team that was much better than us. I defied the odds. And I went on in life remembering that moment and it used, it, it, it pushed me to levels that I achieved later on in life in the sporting arena. But some years back, I was probably in my 20s at, at this particular time, maybe mid to late 20s. I was asked to come back to the school to do something. I can't even remember what it was. And you're going to find out why here in a moment. I was asked to come back to the school. I don't even remember who called me and contacted me to come back to the school. So I'm preparing to go back to this school called Northview, and you better believe I, I'm, I'm waiting on a parade. I'm waiting on people to be lining up thanking me for what I accomplished for you. I'm telling you, athletes think like this. People think like this. And so... I, I'm showing up at this school thinking, oh, hey, hey, I mean, hey, hey, they know who I am. Don't you know I walked into that building 
and not one person knew my name. Not one teacher. Why? Because it's been about 25 years later. They're all gone. I don't know why I wasn't thinking this way, but I thought I would have received so much glory. I was hurt to the point to where I walked into the gym to make sure the banner was still there. And there was another banner. <laughs> Somebody else has won a chip. See how selfish we can be. I was hurt. And I felt soon forgotten. I felt like I just faded away. I felt like, how do you not know who I am? Don't you remember? But they have moved on with life. Life still continues. Life still goes on. And I could not figure that out in that moment until I had to go through it and realize what it was. As we read here in scripture, the Bible lets us know as we dive into 1 Kings that the prophet Elijah is one of the most interesting and colorful people in the Bible. And God used him during an important time in Israel's history to oppose a wicked king and bring revival to the land. Elijah's ministry marked the beginning of the end of Baal worship in Israel. Elijah's life was filled with turmoil. At times he was bold and decisive and at other times fearful and tentative. He alternately demonstrates victory and defeat, defeat and victory followed by recovery. Elijah knew both the power of God and the depths of depression. Elijah, a prophet of God whose name means Yahweh is my God or my God is Jehovah. But nothing is known of Elijah's family, neither his birth. We first meet Elijah right here in 1 Kings chapter number 17, verse number 1. And the Bible says, and Elijah the Tishbite. This is when Elijah is introduced to us. To bring better understanding or revelation why chapter 17, verse number 1 of 1 Kings is so meaningful, it's important for us to go back a little bit. So 1 Kings chapter 13 speaks of a king by the name of Jeroboam. He was a king that despite being warned by the man of God in his life time after time, he would not turn from his evil ways. So the scripture says here in verse number 33, after this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way, but made somebody say again, but made again. So again and again, he would continue to do what he wanted to do. Jeroboam has set up more idols and wooden images that any other king than any other king would do before him. For the scripture says in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse number 15, for the Lord shall smite Israel as a reed is shaken in the water and he shall root up Israel out of his good land, which he gave to their fathers and shall scatter them beyond the river. Listen, because they have made their groves, provoking the Lord to anger. The Bible says because they have made their groves, groves which are wooden images that they would worship. 
I remember doing a study on this, and I actually taught it uh, maybe even last year, but if you go a little deeper into defining what groves are, it actually means a place of nonsense. And here we find where the people here are creating or going back to nonsense. Some of us were in some nonsense. Some of us were in some groves at one point in time in our life. But aren't you thankful that the Lord pulled us out of the nonsense? Over the next few chapters, you will find the next few kings fall into what I call the four appeals that too often lead to corruption. And these four appeals that will lead you to corruption, no matter who you are, are power pleasure praise and popularity it doesn't matter who you are no matter if you're big or small great or insignificant in the eyes of many if you fall into these four categories at any time it will cause corruption if you fall into power if you fall into pleasure praise or get caught up into popularity corruption is soon around the corner the scripture lets us know as we continue in first Kings chapter number 20, excuse me, chapter 16, verse number 25. It says, but Omri or Omri, I've heard it pronounced by others, but Omri wrought evil in the eyes of the Lord. Listen to this and did worse than all that were before him. For the scripture says in verse 26, for he walked in all the way of Jeroboam. So now we find someone that has done worse than Jeroboam walking in those same ways, but the Bible says he's done worse. And then the scripture says, if you drop down to verse number 30, it says, and Ahab, the son of Omri, or Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. So now we see where not only the father, but now the son Ahab has now walked in the same pattern or those same ways. And each generation is becoming worse and worse. And the scripture says in verse number 31, it says, and it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam that he took to wife Jezebel. What's interesting is, is that Jezebel ranks as the most evil woman in the Bible. She's even mentioned in the book of Revelations. For the Bible says in Revelations chapter 2, verse number 20, it says, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. So the Bible continues to say in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse number 33, it says, And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. All this evil that we're reading about, generation after generation, all this corruption, it doesn't seem like things are getting worse, or excuse me, getting better. It's actually getting worse. But then we come to 1 Kings chapter number 17. Then we come to 1 Kings 17 verse number 1. And this is when revelation shows up. Why? Because a man of God shows up with a word from God. Aren't you glad for a man of God in your life? 
he shows up with a word from the Lord. The Bible lets us know and Elijah shows up. And I feel in my spirit that before we leave here today that a spirit of Elijah is going to rest down in this house. Despite the condition of our world today, we must have a people that are ready to stand tall and speak the word of the Lord. I wonder if I had a few young people, I wonder if I had a few older folks that are willing to stand tall and ready to speak against the evil in this day. I wonder if this was a church, if this Star City Church had a people that were ready to rise and speak against the evil in this day because we need people that are not afraid neither ashamed to speak against the evil in this day amen somebody needs to lay hands on themselves and say use me lord the bible says in first uh, kings chapter 17 it says and elijah somebody ought to say that and me you just say your name and me use me lord because i promise you if you have a mindset to be used of the lord god is searching for people that want to be used of the lord don't you think for one moment that you are too young or too old to be used of the lord that is a lie that is a deceptive lie from the devil i'm telling you god is searching high and low for people that would go beyond the walls of the church and ready to be used of the lord i believe i'm looking at young people i believe i'm looking at some seasoned saints that say use me god i'm ready to be used of the lord whatever you choose to do in my life i promise you i will step out by faith and be used of Jesus Christ because someone here today can be used to the point to the magnitude to bring revival to this city amen mm -hmm. can be used to bring revival to this city I want to share something with you uh, you need to understand that just every day every day I'm praying for soul winners I'm praying for prayer warriors every day this has been on my heart every day I'm crying out to the Lord and I begin to say Lord send us prayer warriors I begin to say Lord send us soul winners i begin to repeat that over and over and say lord send us prayer warriors send us soul winners and then the lord began to deal with me and say those soul winners and those prayer warriors are sitting right in the pews already you're asking me to send you something that is already there so then God began to speak to me a little bit more and say remember when I spoke to Ezekiel and I asked him can these dry bones live and he began to prophesy over the bones I'm here to tell somebody right now I know that you are alive and well but you can feel dry in your spirit well I'm here to prophesy over the dryness of your spirit I'm telling somebody to rise up i'm telling somebody to stand strong i'm telling somebody to speak up and get ready to be used of the law 
You've got to excuse me, but I feel like preaching in here. I want to tell somebody. God begin to deal with me. So as I'm preaching, I'm confessing. So please, just pray for your pastor right now. Because God begin to deal with me too often. I'm asking God to send me something that he's already gave me. I'm asking him, Lord, we need folks that will pray. We need folks that will invite people. The Lord had to slap me upside my head and say, get your act together. They're already there. They're sitting right there. All you need to do is stir them. Just stir them a little bit. Empower them a little bit. Tell these young people, you can be used. You can be used. You can be used. God wants to use you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish I had a few young people that will put down the video game, that will put down the cell phone and learn how to fall on their face and say, Lord God, use me, God. Save my family. Save my brothers. Save my mother. Save my father. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord and magnify him. Do I have any seasoned saints? Can these dry bones live? Can these dry bones live? I say yes. I say yes. I prophesy to this church. Rise up. Rise up. Rise up. Rise. I don't know about you, and I didn't come to preach Ezekiel, but then after he told him to prophesy, then he told him to speak to the wind. I feel a wind. I feel a rushing mighty wind. I'm telling you, God's getting ready to blow through this place. And if you're not ready for it, you'll miss it. I'm telling you, the spirit of God is so strong in here. You ought to rise up and say, I'm not done yet. Use me, God. I'm not finished yet. Use me, God. Hey! Let a wind of worship come on. Let it flow through this place. Let's lift our voice. Lift your hands unto the Lord. young people come on young adults come on young people push yourself right now use me God I'm sorry but if you got a pastor that wants to pastor a cute church you got the wrong one I don't need no cute church I need an apostolic Pentecostal tongue talking lively church hey glory this is where we run the aisles this is where we leap for joy this is where we believe 
That's it. That's it. See, now you're learning how to sacrifice. Now you're learning how to sacrifice. Now you're learning how to put away your pride, how to drop your ego. Yes. Now you're learning. I've got to press. I've got to push. It doesn't matter who's watching. It doesn't matter who's looking. Somebody needs to get desperate. In the name of Jesus, I wonder if I can get an apostolic people just to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, pray until you speak in tongues. Pray until you feel the power of the Holy Ghost move upon you. Pray until you feel a stirring in your spirit. Come on, we need to pray in the Holy Ghost right now. We need a manifestation of God's power. We need a manifestation of God's glory. We need a manifestation in our life. Come on, lift your hands and lift your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost. Yes, see some folks, some folks may not understand, some folks may not even like it, but I'm telling you this is when Jesus comes and disrupts the agenda, uh-huh, oh I've got plenty to preach, believe me, but this is when Jesus steps in and he disrupts the agenda, so you either fall in line with Jesus' agenda or you're going to miss this thing, but I'm telling you if you would just jump in, I'm telling you God is going to resurrect things in your life, resurrect things in your spirit, resurrect things in your home, resurrect things in your ministry, oh I'm to somebody right now God is a resurrector he is the God of life in the name of Jesus receive it in Jesus name yes God Now listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Follow me in the Holy Ghost right now. What God sent me here to preach was soon forgotten 
but not forsaken. And without going, to, going through all the things that Elijah did, we understand that God told him, God told him, God instructed him. Everything that he did, God instructed him. Go tell King Ahab, it's not going to rain. It's going to dry up around here, so I need you to go by the brook. You're going to drink there, be fed by ravens. Then once that dried up, he told him, go be, there's a widow that's going to take care of you. I've already dealt with her heart. Everything, as he heals the son, everything that took place, God instructed, God instructed. But then if you get to a certain chapter, the Bible says, that God told Elijah, now I want you to go tell the king it's about to rain again. That's what he told him to do. But see, this is when we get to the, the Mount Carmel battle. The showdown. And if you read the scripture very closely, the Lord never told Elijah to have that battle. He never instructed them to have that showdown at Mount Carmel. He told him, go tell King Ahab, it's going to rain again. Right, right, right. Yep. But Ahab, or excuse me, Elijah was fed up. He was frustrated at these people. He was frustrated with the day he was leaving in. He said, okay, we're going to see whose God is God. We're about to find out today. Because I'm tired of the way y'all living. I'm tired of all these, these idols. I'm tired of these groves. I'm tired of you going back to nonsense. We're going to settle this today. What's interesting is, is that we understand the story and how the battle took place and how it all went. How Elijah killed the multiple hundreds of the prophets of Baal and he's used all this energy and he's exhausted. And now Jezebel says, I'm coming after you now. And he gets to a place where he's under a juniper tree and now he's saying, God, take my life. I'm not better than my father's. As if everything that he had done was soon forgotten. And now he feels forsaken. Everything that's taking place that fast. It's as if it didn't happen. He says, take my life. I'm not better than those that have come before me. Hear me, church, right now. I want to preach to this church right now. I want to preach to the long members of CMT. I want to preach to those that's been around longer than I've been alive. I want to preach to those that's been doing this thing way longer than I've been here on earth. I want to preach to the ones, Sister Justice, like you, whose father started this church. I want to preach into your spirit and others like you that have been around a very long time, that have seen people like me, some even come and go. But I promise you, I'm staying right here, Sister Justice. I want you to know that, okay? I'm telling you, I want to preach to those that, you know, the, the, the rocks, the, the pillars, the people that literally helped put this building together. Literally helped put this building together. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Because you can get to a certain age and you feel forgotten. And you would think the things that I have accomplished, the things that I have done, the things that I put into this church, these folks think they just go brush right by me. And you come to church looking for your banner. You see how I tied that back in? Church, what is happening right now in the spirit is a pivotal moment. Because at this moment, 
we have a group of young adults up here crying unto the Lord because they know they need a change in their life. But see, I don't know about you. I'm only 39 years old, and this will be my last message in my 30s. That's all right. That's why I'm preaching so hard. Hold up. I might not be able to do that next Sunday because next Saturday I turn 40. No. Listen, we have young people, and oftentimes, young people, they don't know what it takes. They're crying. They don't know what it takes, though. They're desperate. They don't really know what it takes to get to that next level, to get to that next step in order to sustain so that they can be you. Sister Lupe, I'm trying to tell the folks that feel like they're soon forgotten. But I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost, my sister, you're not forsaken. God has sent this man of God right here to remind people like them that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. See, I can understand that. You've met my family. You see where I come from. You, you've seen the heritage that is in my veins and in my bloodline. You know where I come from. And so I was taught to give respect. But I'm here to challenge those that feel like you've been forgotten. This pastor needs you right now. I need you. I need you now more than ever because we are at a pivotal point in our world. We are at a pivotal point in this church. We are at a pivotal point in this society. And I'm sorry, they can't get it done by themselves. You can't get it done by yourself. We need one another. So church, this is what I'm telling you. This preacher, I promise you, these young people will not forget. I will make sure they will pay homage to those that have come before them. But church, I need your help. When these young people are up here crying their eyes out, I need some older people to come on up here and lay hands upon them and transfer things and pray with them. I need some wisdom, some knowledge. I need older saints that are seasoned. Can I preach to your church? Because I believe in the gift of transfer. I believe when Peter says, such as I have, give thy unto thee. I believe in that. There's a transfer that takes place. Sister Holmes, I need you, sister. Oh, yes. I know you may feel forgotten sometimes, but you're not forsaken. Oh, no, we haven't forgotten about you. I know you can't move like you want. I don't know how much long you got on this earth, but sister, you know how to pray. And my sister, when these young people behind you are crying, there needs to be a transfer and say, Lord, keep them. Lord, keep their mind like you kept my mind. Keep their heart like like you kept my heart. Keep
kept your spirit like you kept my spirit. Because that's where we are right now. I'm talking about in this church. That's where we are right now. We are at a pivotal point in this church. And I need your help. I need your help. I'm not asking for a lot of energy. I expect that out of them. If they're not jumping and running, I get on them. You can sit down, please. But when it's time to transfer, I need you to transfer. When it comes that time, Sister Lupe, I don't want you to have the mindset, go ahead, young people. I love to see them. Go ahead. No, that's when I need you the most. That's when I need you to grab one of them and say, keep them, Lord, just like you've kept me. All the testing trials, all the tribulations, all the things that I've been through, they don't have any idea what it takes in order to sustain themselves as an apostolic young person. But you do. You know what it takes. You know what's in you. And I need some folks that will rise to their feet. Come on down to this altar. Lay hands on these young people. Come on down here. Let's rejoice.